Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. This week we're off on our holidays and so we've put together a compilation of some of our favourite discoveries over the last 18 months. We hope you enjoy. Well, I'm pleased to say that this week's review is about a book which I absolutely loved. Um, in contrast to last week, and I do apologise, it, it's very out of character for me to be so bold as to be so <laughs> opinionated, uh, particularly about a book. Um, but I do acknowledge uh, everybody I've said it to went, I love that book. I, was like, I didn't mean to offend. Personally, I didn't like it. You're welcome to your own opinion. And but... you're entitled to yours. Yes, that's right. Um, it's it's still on my bookcase. I haven't burnt it or anything. It's just I'm not <laughs> I'm not planning to carry on reading it. But this one was a delight, and it was a complete surprise as well. Um, it popped in uh, an email from Amazon about your Prime membership. You can get these free books, and I, I I sort of know this, but in the back of my head, but I, I do actually rely on those emails that come in occasionally to say, by the way, you know, you pay for Prime membership, why don't you actually use mm. some of this stuff? And it was um, a link to a number of books and magazines that you could read for free. Um, and this one was called um, TED Talks Storytelling by Akash Karia. Karia? Karia? We don't know. K-A-R-I-A. Akash. We're pretty sure yes. it's Akash. Yep. And um, obviously you've heard me and Heather talk about TED Talks an awful lot. Even when we, we're talk, reviewing another book, we found a reason to go on TED to find out about it. We're talking about a guru. Of course, we look for them on TED Talks. So this was a book which was about providing advice and guidance on how to do a, a great speech or talk or, or even deliver any message really using some of the lessons that you can learn from watching some great TED Talks and it was absolutely lovely it wasn't it's not a huge book now I, I've only got it on Kindle but even then I can tell it's quite a small book on Kindle um, as I think I'd quite like to see what it looked like as a hard copy, but I suspect it would be quite small. But also, if it was mine, I'd probably be writing in it a lot mm. as well because it, was, it it just sparked off lots of thoughts in my head. So I, I'm probably going to start by saying he's referenced a number of TED Talks and all but one of them I'd already seen and already loved them. So we might have talked about a few of these in the past, um, the Power of Introverts by Susan Cain, Why Domestic Violence Victims Don't Leave by Leslie Morgan Steiner, Choice Happiness and Spaghetti Sauce by one of our former gurus, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Learning from Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe. I hadn't seen this one before. But it's an absolute delight and I can highly recommend it to everybody. Um, Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolt-Taylor, How Schools Kill Creativity by uh, Ken Robinson, again, another mm -hmm. former guru. How to Get Your Ideas Spread by Seth Godin, again, another um, former guru. And Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are, an absolute classic by Amy Cuddy. And what he does is he, he sort of uses each of these as a case study and picking out examples of why um, why, why it's good, why, why they've delivered really well. And in some cases points out where actually they fell a bit flat. So in one of the case studies he looks like looks at, he said, actually, they didn't end that brilliantly. This was great. This was great. But mm, where, where's the, the key message in that? And so each chapter is dedicated to a, a little bit of advice, which starts essentially by 
um, going through um, the speeches. So chapter one, the magic ingredient in, in delivering a great TED talk and how to start and the surprising element that makes a story irresistible, how to bring your characters to life, how to create mental motion pictures for your audience. Um, now, that one, I have to say, if, if you want mental motion pictures, <laughs> Learning from Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe. Wow. The, the mental pictures that uh, that um, that gave me as I was listening to the talk as a woman, it made me cringe. But he's talking about castrating lambs. But the images that um, well, they never leave your mind. Yes, <laughs> I, I would imagine if if um, you're a gentleman, you might you might create some other images with that. It, it was it was the one that I hadn't seen. I went and watched it and I was absolutely delighted with it as well. But everything that he picked up, I just, yeah, that's, that's really good. He didn't pad out the book, hence why it's probably quite small. Um, and every single chapter had something of real value. Not just that, he references all the talks in detail. Um, there's some bonus content where he actually goes through a whole talk by Seth Godin and, and breaks it down in detail, which I think, you know, is real quality and shows the skill of the writer, actually, that he's able to do this. Uh, you know, sometimes you might look at a TED Talk and go, I love that. I don't know why, but I absolutely love that. Um, and he's generous as well with his free gifts. So he's, he's given away um, access to... Um, e-courses on storytelling, uh, e-books on how to create captivating speech openings, um, top three humour techniques, a PDF guide. And they're all here, absolutely free resources um, to download from his website. So absolutely loved it. can highly recommend it. Heather, tell me you liked it too. I loved it. I loved it. And people listening might be thinking, well, I ain't never going to be giving a TED Talk. But so much of what he says applies to every conversation that you might have, particularly if you are pitching for business, if you're trying to influence or persuade somebody. And so I just took a few of the headings. And this is specifically when he's looking at the Seth Godin um, TED Talk, which is a TED Talk called How to Get Your Ideas to Spread. And um, he, so he says... Uh, build curiosity with your opening. So as you might do in a conversation, imagine you're sitting across from a potential new client. Okay, you know, you, you, you've got to say so. You've got to open with something that's interesting. Then implicitly promise value. So that's got to be part of what you're saying all the time. Just demonstrate it. You don't need to say quality and value and all, but it's got to just be implied in what you're saying. Uh, tell stories, keep your audience engaged with stories. So give examples of where you've, where people have bought your product before, used your product before. Um, use conversational language, cut away from the jargon. We know that. Um, make your talk relevant to your audience. So think about how it maps onto the, the individual that you're, that you're talking to. Uh, use the magic word you and talk about we so that now it's it's what's important to you as the customer. That's what you're saying. But then we do this and we do that. So it's very inclusive um, and very, very powerful. And then highlight the problem before you offer the solution. So, you know, find out what the problem is. Don't decide what the problem is and then try and sell the solution. Find out what the actual issue is. And I think that those key things st will stand anybody, whether you're, whether you're selling coffee or whether you're selling 
um, aerospace products, it's it, it's 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 a rule of thumb that will stand you in really good stead. I love I love the book. Uh, I wish I'd written it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those books. It's like blimey. <laughs> yeah, this is. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and and what he's he's not doing. He's not saying, look, um, this is my thoughts. This is my idea. This is you know something I've made up, and I'm I'm going to preach the gospel on this one. He's actually look, this is what the experts are doing. This is a great talk. Let's break it down. Let's find out. And um, I think you can sum it up, the the whole book, by saying that... Now, he says all great TED speakers, and as you say, all great TED speakers, but it might be that you've got to stand up and do a, a quick pitch at a networking meeting. Yeah. It might be that you've just got to run a, a training exercise at work or something like that. And I think all of these apply, even if you, the, you know, break it down into the one-hour meeting you've got at work. And what they've all got in common is that you they tell a story. They're, they're mastering the story. One of the things that really chimed with, with me was quite early on in the book is that grabbing your audience's attention within the first 30 seconds. I've heard that so many times with networking and, you know, you, you go work and walk into a room and people's first impressions of you. And it's the same with, you know, if you're standing up in front of an audience, is it's that if you don't get them within the first 30 seconds, then... You're never you know, going to get you're them. Probably not going to get mm. them back. Mm. And he talks about opening with a story using the example of Susan Cain on The Power of Introverts. She starts off with a story about going off to summer camp, but she paints this story. She doesn't even introduce herself. He makes a very good point is that the host should have introduced you. Yeah. You don't need to stand up and say, hello, I'm Tracy and I'm going to tell you about this and the result of this will be this. She just launches off saying that she went to summer camp. And, you know, you might think originally, oh, well, what's what's this got to do with the story and where's this relevant? But as soon as you start thinking those things, then you're hooked. You're engaged because you're trying to work out what the connection is between her going to summer camp at nine and you being in a hall listening to her speaking. So um, the best way to thank your audience rather than saying thank you for being here is, is to actually provide him with something interesting to listen to. I, I love that little sentence in his book. Thank your audience. You know, the gratitude is that you've actually prepared a really engaging, interesting and involving talk. Mm. So, Heather, would you use this practically yourself? Was there anything in there where you thought, you know, I I'd never thought of that? Because you are a great communicator. You teach communication. And so most of this you've probably already woven in I, I already remember having some coaching off you on on communication techniques and it was about telling the story what was it about this book that that was so pleasing for you that you didn't already know well I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know it all and and I also um I'm, I'm aware of you know things that I forget or things that I've stopped doing what I like about this book is that it is very clear. It applies to communication in general. You don't need to be given a TED talk. I'd love to give a TED talk. Of course I would. Um, but it, it's just really well structured. It's really well written. You know, it's easy to read. Sometimes you pick up a book and you just think, OK, I really want to read this book, but I'm, I'm really struggling. And I think that... Um, the way that he structured it and the giveaways that he's giving and, as you say, the way that he backs up everything that he says. But but one thing that um, really resonated with me is when you think about storytelling, the group of people who are really, really good at this are comedians. Yes. A really good comedian who you are prepared to s sit and watch 
for the, the whole duration of their joke, their story. It's always a story. And, and there's sometimes stories nested exactly, within stories as exactly. well. That's the craft of that. Exactly. Even if, you know, it, it's they start off with something and then they sort of say, but I'm not going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you about this. And then that links up. And, th- and then in the end, you come full circle. And actually, a good sales pitch, a good talk, a good comedian... They should take you full circle and there should be a neat ending. You shouldn't be left going, OK, so what? And I think that's what he... he yeah, he talks about the wrap-up as well. Yes, yeah. He takes you through the whole... Yeah, because you yeah. don't want to hear something and then go, that was great, but what does it mean to me? <laughs> you know, so, I, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, it's good. So, so Thank the, you for recommending it. Yeah, um, it was my pleasure. Absolutely. It's called TED Talk Storytelling. 23 storytelling techniques from the best TED Talks and the author is Akash Karia. I got on a train, went up to Manchester and went to the Financial Times UK Business Conference. Uh, It was looking for opportunities for future growth in the north. It was at the Principal Hotel in Manchester, which if you've never been there is beautiful. No, I don't know the Principal Hotel. I mean, I could have just sat in reception drinking on one of the cosy, you know, loungy seats. It was absolutely stunning. As you can normally find you on a Saturday night. As you normally do on a Saturday (laughs) night, yes. But there was an opportunity to do this in the day. It was... um, couple of things really uh i found myself quite apprehensive at going to such a grown-up conference you know sometimes you go to you go to these types of events i was going on my own uh i was going uh obviously as a businesswoman because i wanted to find out more about the issues that that um the northern powerhouse face but i was also going there uh representing calon and it reminded me of you know some usually when you go to a conference you go with somebody but Actually, you have to remember that everybody's there for the same reason. There's some networking going on. Lots of people are on their own. So if you are apprehensive um, about walking into a room of suits when you've got uh, red hair and, you know, funky tights on, don't worry, you can do it. It's all right. So once I got over the collie wobbles, it was quite a serious conference and some of it was quite dry. So in terms of format, I might have ringed the, you know, rung the changes a little bit. But I'm going to focus on three speakers who absolutely blew me away. The first one was um, Jürgen Meyer, who is the UK chief executive of Siemens. And he, uh, his energy and his vibrancy and his directness and his sort of down-to-earth approach to business was so refreshing. Very often, you know, you talk about people and you see people in business and they're quite stuffy. He absolutely blew my mind. Um, I've never seen him speak before. Apparently, he's he has been on Newsnight. Um, but he is worth Googling just to see. He, he, um, he didn't use fancy jargon. He talked a lot about Britain getting our mojo back. Let's get our mojo back. Let's look at what um so Siemens they they um automate and innovate in lots of businesses they're actually involved in much many more businesses than we might imagine the rail infrastructure etc but he also then talked about you can use robots in small businesses so for about 14,000 pounds you could effectively use some sort of automation within your organization so he wasn't just talking to the big business guys in the room he was saying look we've all got a part to play so Jürgen Meyer um is somebody to watch out for. I thought he was phenomenal. We then had a a lady, I mean, there were many speakers, but these are the ones that stood out. A lady called Emma Degg, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Northwest Business Leadership Team. Uh, She was a woman, again, no nonsense, no airs and graces, spoke 
beautifully about um, what she thought about the responsibility of business leaders in the North and what we can do. But then one quote that I just wrote down uh, was that she put, she was talking about startups versus scale up. You know, we talk a lot about startup businesses. Hang on a minute. Every startup needs to scale up in order to be, otherwise we're just going to have loads of, well, you can't be a startup forever. So she talked about that. And then right at the end, almost as a throwaway remark, she said, um, and as for, somebody asked her a question about um, men and women and, and um, uh, male and female positions on boards, etc. And she said, I've got an answer for this. She said, men, sponsor women to work in business. Just get on with it. And I just thought, just in one sentence, right at the end, she she just won me over completely. Just get on with it. I like just that approach. Men, sponsor women, just get on with it. Give women jobs. End of. Thought that was fab. And then finally, um, a guy who was, he's a disruption lead for PwC. And disruption is a big part. Um, AI was a big topic of discussion. Uh, and in fact, PwC have written a, a report um their augment team have written a report about the future of artificial intelligence. I will put a link to that on our on our podcast. But the speaker, and he only had 10 minutes and I wish he'd had half an hour, um, was a guy called Leo Johnson. And I didn't even know until after the event when I was speaking to somebody that he is brother of Boris Johnson. But don't let that put you off or put you in, in sway you in any way. He was fantastic. He co-presents Radio 4 show Future Proofing and he was talking... Oh, I know that show. I didn't realise that was Boris Johnson. No, I didn't. I mean, now I look at the picture, it's blooming obvious. But at the time, he was just some sort of bumbling um, uh, speaker. Uh, but... He, he, he just really got me thinking about um, automation. And he was talking, for example, um, about driverless cars. So he did a straw poll in the room. Are driverless cars are, are going to happen? Yes, 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 they are. Right, OK. He said, right, let's think about that. Driverless cars, what happens to the motorway service stations? Because suddenly, if we've got driverless cars, we've got driverless lorries. So every lorry that parks up because they need to be within their taco hours, they're not buying coffee, they're not buying pies, they're not... So, you know what do we then do about it and and he was he was fascinating he was he was fantastic so as an event it was great buzzwords infrastructure skills gap uh not just about skills for now but but if you want a job for somebody you want to attract them it's not the just the job you're offering them now it's the next job it's the job that their partners will do so that that was a, a biggie as well uh but it it was great some of it was quite dry but actually, it was it was fantastic. So it was a high ticket price event. Yes. Would you say it was yeah. worth the money? Well, I mean, it, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, no goodie bag. No goodie bag. No notepad. No mm. mints. No pens. There were some PWC pens on the oh. table, but um, that isn't one actually. That's somebody else. Um, but it, I might have liked a little bit more. But the food was great, the venue was great, and there were lots of things to think about. And I'm just a sole trader, so if you are, you know, some of the larger, there were a lot of manufacturing companies there that I was speaking to, um, some startups, but yeah, really. And they run these. This is the first one they've done in Manchester. They do them in London. I guess they'll be rolling in, rolling them out elsewhere. So is the FT UK business conference ft uk business conference one of many conferences that the financial times organize all around the country so heather chose three apps for us to look at this week and uh, we both had a look at them and uh, were they recommended on 
on the Apple Store. Yeah, you know, you those articles don't recommendate. Yeah. So it's the best three apps for um, freelancers. freelancers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the first one. Which du- one did you look at Duet first? Duet Display, and it's a way to expand your screen with an iPad or iPhone. And I love the idea because I like having two screens. I like having three screens if I can get them. The only problem is my iPhone's one of those little ones. It's a bit too small to really extend my screen. And I don't have an iPad anymore, so I sort of lost the the point of it. Um, but it means that you can turn your iPad or your iPhone into a touchscreen monitor and you can use the Apple Pen if you want to draw. And I had a look at the reviews. They're mostly good. Um, but it's normally £15. So if it's the, the choice between um, buying the app and you've got a nice big iPad or buying a new monitor, then it, it's the cheaper option. Um, they've got an offer on at the moment, if you're interested, for £9.99. Did you have a look at that one, Heather? I did. Um, and it reminded me of a time when I used to use my iPad to have my email on and my laptop to actually work on so that you could you know keep an eye on stuff but I actually I find it distracting I think I'm better having just one screen personally but I know that a lot of people respond really well in fact I think my husband he might have three screens on his desk so he's got email on one he's got the data that he's working on the code that he's writing on another and he's got something else the internet or something on another but I think yeah if you're the sort of person that multitasks i just have lots of windows open and just flip between them but um but i I can see that it's a good yeah it's a good one utilizing the kit that you've got yeah um it makes it mobile as well because the 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 traditional multi-screen setup is fairly static static, isn't it you've got these huge monitors so if you're going to do your work in a local coffee shop and you've got your ipad and your laptop then you can still Mm. achieve the multi-screen so that's something worth taking a look at called duet display the second one, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago um, when we were talking about work for um, apps for um, productivity. It's called Invoice to Go, with the two being the number two. And it means that you can send invoices from your phone, you can turn quotes into invoices, you can track your expenses, you can take a picture of your receipts, you can schedule appointments, keep track of time spent on different jobs, you can even accept payments and you can use it to store And it syncs across lots of different devices. Now, it comes at a fee. And it's essentially, um, it's an accounts app for freelancers, but it's got a very strong app because it does have a website as well. So you can log into the back end of Mm. all your data on the website. Um, But not all of the accounting software have good apps. It comes at a fee of £9.99 a month for the standard Nineteen ninety nine a month for the advanced version and thirty three pounds ninety nine a month for unlimited. So I would imagine that most freelancers, and we, we're talking apps here for freelancers, would be okay with the standard version, which is nine ninety nine, and that's for one user. And um, doesn't it limit also the number of transactions? I think it, I think it limits the number of bank um, entries that you can reconcile and the number of invoices that you can raise. So, so it does. Yeah, but to be fair, with with most freelancers, the, the standard it's, package it's two hundred invoices and two hundred yeah, quotes yeah, a yeah, month. So yeah, it it seems okay. But yeah. Anyway, um, take a look at that. I I've got my own preference for account software. Do you use software, Heather? Or well, I've just I've actually just been reviewing what I use because of the Making Tax Digital. 
um, legislation that's coming in. So I've been having a look at Invoice to Go and I've also been having a look at Xero yeah. um, and, and weighing up the pros and cons for each of them. So um, so I've used Xero. I, I, that's one of the bits of software that I, I like the online version, but the app never quite was Did as it? good as, right. the, as the software. So if um, the reviews of Invoice to Go are anything to go by, the app is is, is, is up there with the and main actually software. yeah that that's the beauty because you've always got your phone with you and you can you can photograph receipts and they'll get stored I don't know what you're like with receipts and goodness knows what but you know actually deal with them rather than just end up with a pile of stuff so I'm wait yeah I'm I'm weighing the two of them up I'm not quite perhaps I'll report back that would be on, interesting um, on which one and, I choose and tell me as well if the zero uh, app has improved because I thought it was quite limited when I looked at it yeah I've, lo- I've looked at it um, on the web but I, I haven't really studied the app yet but um, yeah yeah. and then the, the third app for freelancers was uh, free work mm. uh, for timesheet and invoicing there are loads of these different services available and I, I've never used free work I've, I've always quite happily used different software um i've had no problem with those and it often depends on who i'm doing the freelancing work for and they ask you to use a particular software however i struggled with this one i went to take a look at their website and i just was not user friendly at all maybe it was having a bad day Uh, maybe my internet connection was having a bad day i'm not sure but the free work website itself there is far more to free work than just this app the app seems to be a small part of what they do but the the website kept freezing so i didn't have a lot of luck with that one isn't that funny because i thought that the i I went online and i thought the website was quite user friendly isn't that isn't that strange? Yeah. Um, and, and what I thought was very interesting f- from a, a business point of view is, yes, it's it's aimed at helping freelancers to find work. It's putting people who want freelancers in touch with freelancers. Yeah, I thought that was a really good feature. And that's great because if you as a company need somebody and it's not one of those, you know, I need somebody to, you know, type up some stuff for me and how much you know where you sort of pitch for work it's much more sophisticated than that and if you are a freelancer if you're a business who's looking for some freelance work it puts it puts the two of you in contact so I thought that was quite good um yeah interesting what yeah so we'll be um, putting this, the details of this on our blog and of course you can always listen to this show again on the podcast on our website and also on iTunes and other podcasty type stuff that I don't really have the you technical knowledge You almost sound like know. you know what you're talking about there. <laughs> but you can find our podcast on all good podcasting apps, yes. Um, and so we'll, we'll put the details of this on there. But if you've got any experience of any of these apps that you'd like to share with us or if you've got any other apps that you'd suggest for freelancers, then please leave a comment and we'd we'd read it with interest and even mention it on the show uh, next week. When Tracy suggested that we review this week's book, um, I wasn't entirely sure what I was letting (laughs) myself in for. Um, I'm used to, you know, quirky titles for for business books, but this one, Pig Wrestling... um, Got me wondering. Now, as it can wa- I just ask that the first time you knew that we were reviewing this was when you were listening to the show last week? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, 
yes, because I wasn't here last week. I, I was not. I was not very well. Um, yeah, so I was listening in bed, and <laughs> and I heard this. And I'm going to let you into a secret about the book that we're reviewing next week. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. I wonder what that is. I wonder what it could possibly be. Anyway, as it turned out, Tracy had a copy. I didn't have a copy. Um, so we we were being very efficient, and we and we swapped copies. I now have my copy. I think that's all the review you need. Yeah. Heather bought the book. But yeah, having I literally took it home, read the first third of it, and I thought, I need to own this book. Um, it's written by two men, Peter, Pete Lindsay and Mark Borden. And it's, it's pig wrestling, the brilliantly simple way to solve any problem and create the change you need. Tracy, where on earth did you hear about this book? I really don't remember, but something about it caught my eye. Not least uh, there's a, a pink pig's bottom on the front, on the front cover, cover. Yeah, with a nice curly tail. Yeah. And I have to admit that the price point was uh, a big decider because obviously we, we review a lot of books here and we've gone through everything that's on our shelves and we're at the point now where we're having to buy new books. All so donations if you are a, gratefully yeah, accepted. If you are a publisher... You want to, uh, us to review anything, please? So uh, this this was five pounds, and I I ordered it and thought, you know what, that that looks interesting, and it's cheap. Yes. <laughs> and also the other selling point, being totally honest here, is it, on the back it said you can read it in under an hour. I didn't. It took me a, quite a bit longer than an hour, but I think that's because I I kept stopping to to highlight things in the book and uh, maybe if I'd have just sat down and and read it all in in one go it would have been an hour so I don't know I I think I must have seen it on that big online retailer that sells books and things Mm -hmm. Um, and and just it it just caught my eye did you find that you know the whole read it in an hour thing did you find that you'd read some of it and then you'd want to go and google that bit and find out a bit more about so, for example, he he talks about using um, storytelling, which I know you are a great fan of, um, and and it helps it helps to take you on a journey through a book, I guess. Um, but he talks about um, the memory technique where you visualize a room, for example, yeah. and you remember certain elements because of where you position them within the room. And I knew about that, but I didn't know what it was called. Um, but it's called uh, Loki, L-O- or Loci, L-O-C-I, which I didn't know. So I'm like, oh, what's that? OK. And so then I go off and Google that and find out <laughs> a bit more about it and it, and then write some little squiggles on the page, you know. And it, it, So, y- yes, you could read it in an hour, but you can't immerse yourself in it. But is this why benefit. you bought the book and which which is why I think... I needed to own the book. I think if I'd have read this on Kindle, I perhaps wouldn't have the same thing. But you can see from this, I've written in it. I've turned over pages. Yeah. And and it is that sense of, of actually, I'm going to use it to reference because there was yeah. it's a very small book, but there was so much in it that I, I thought, yeah, I'm going to refer to that. And some of it wasn't relevant to where I am with my life at the moment. And other bits, you go, oh, <laughs> Now, yeah, no, I get talking, that. Yeah. And it wasn't, it, there's nothing earth shatteringly new in here. It's just told in a way that enables you to absorb, to process the information differently or to make you recall stuff that you probably already knew but haven't put into practice, which is so often the case with me. And and I like the style of it. As you say, it's a, it's a story and it, it's also... It's not just a story. It's a stories within a story as well, because each of the people. So 
I don't want to give too much away because I think that's part of the learning experience, but each person that the main character uh, comes across tells their story. So there's mm. a number of other stories embedded within a larger story and that enables you to then go on and put together this theory of the pig wrestling. Uh, and I picked out loads of things. I see scribbles and circles mm. all over mm. here. But one thing, I've just to, um, flipped the book and, and one thing that's just popped out to me is, uh, is this quote. In my experience, common sense isn't as common as it should be. <laughs> How true is that? Very good point. How yes, that's that? quite early on in the book. Uh, which, which things stand out for you, Heather? Well, I think the overwhelming thing is the way that it is structured. So whether you are a visual person or whether you, you know you want to just you just want to read um, and, and make your own opinions, there's something for everybody. So there are summaries. There are there are some visuals. There are some exercises. There are some ex examples. Some stories. So lots of different. There are stories within the story. And the one that I absolutely loved and and um, read it to my husband last night, and we had a, a quite a long conversation about it. Um, back in 1959, an American industrialist. Inv offered a sizable cash prize to the first team who could fly a human-powered aircraft over a one-mile course. Uh, lots of engineers um, uh, were involved in it, um, but the prize went unclaimed for nearly two decades. Until that is, a team of engineers took a mental step back and realised that the problem, as the other teams were viewing it, had been framed all wrong. This is about reframing. Uh, the other teams were spending all their time designing and building beautiful, lightweight prototypes that could fly and that would be the perfect solution. But what they, what the, the successful team realised is that they didn't need to design an aircraft that could fly the course first time. That was the wrong frame to view the problem through. What they needed was to design an aircraft that could survive crashing relatively intact. So that meant more attempts at the mile, a quicker turnaround between attempts. So instead of building a plane that could fly, they needed to build a plane that could crash. And that's what you call changing the frame. I love that. I've got another example, and it's it's from the um, framing section. And uh, again, it's a, it's a great little story, and it's it's true story. Um, it's about Hanoi in 1902. And they had uh, an issue with rats and apparently sort of on biblical plague levels of rats. So instead of hiring pest controllers, the government decided to offer cash for every rat pelt handed in by a member of the public. And it went on that actually they ended up having more rats. It didn't solve the problem. And as it turned out, what happened was people were getting paid to hand in rat skins and so we're breeding rats to do this. <laughs> of course. And so obviously the problem wasn't that they wanted more dead rats. The issue that the, they wanted to solve was they wanted to decrease the number of living rats. I thought that was a beautiful example how sometimes our attempts at solving a problem can actually cause another problem. And th and that sort of thing exists all the way through the book. He poses a um, a situation right at the beginning of the book uh, and I still do, I still still don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I'm wondering whether the answer appears at the end of the book because um, I haven't quite got there yet. But yeah, it, it, it's 
it's brilliant. I think whether it whether you're applying it to business or whether you're pr- applying it to your personal life or even it's if it's just to change the way that you think about somebody and or the way that they work, I think it's got huge value. I think I love it. I love it. So we, we can both highly recommend this one and it's called Pig Wrestling, the brilliantly simple way to solve any problem and create the change you need. It's by Pete Lindsay and Mark Borden and we will put a link to that on our website which is the business.community. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.